Welcome to episode 11 of the City of Champions podcast. In this episode, we discuss the Dodgers versus the Brewers, the disappointing injury to Dustin May, then we switch gears over to the Lakers to cover the past two games, and a look ahead with LeBron coming back. Welcome City of Champions fans to episode 11 of the City of Champions podcast. Disappointing series against the Brewers, mainly because, you know, we lost Dustin May. He's having Tommy John surgery. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the pitching, the bullpen, and the hidden struggles up until game four. We're also going to dive into Lakerland, LeBron's return, and the two losses. And, uh, you know, is it time to hit the panic button? So let's dive right into the uh, Dodgers. What are your initial thoughts on uh, the series against the Brewers, Gene? Well, I initially predicted that we would um, that we would lose the series three to one, but I, I frankly I thought we were lucky that Corbin Burns didn't pitch the fourth game because it could have been a four game sweep. But um, really, the biggest news is losing Dustin May, man. That's a that's a tough one, and you kind of see baseball world taking it kind of hard, uh, Dodgers Twitter taking it hard. Uh, just a young just electric arm. Uh, You could definitely see he was rounding into form this year, developing more into a a full uh, pitcher. Had the slider working this year uh, along with the, the sinker and the fastball. So he was just, he was coming along, man. He was really coming along, so it's just unfortunate. He looked like he was going to be doing some special things this year. The rotation was looking deep, and so and now it's just our injuries, man. Our injuries are adding up, so that's definitely a bummer, but also we had that, that big game four uh, in this four-game series, uh, Pollock, Beatty with the big bats. Uh, but Kind of on to the next one now with the Cubs. We'll touch more on May in just a little bit, but let's go game by game. Looking uh, at game one, Trevor Bauer had a strong outing as always. We could have definitely uh, taken that game. We didn't. Uh, What stood out to you? My thoughts, man, I'm I'm just pissed, bro. I hate when pitchers deal like this and the offense doesn't pick them up, man. It just annoys me. It pisses me off. It reminds me of Kershaw for a lot of his career when the Dodgers wouldn't provide him run support. So I was just pissed off about that, man. Uh, Bauer was just dealing, bro. Efficient, uh, slider, fastball, curve, all nasty, man. The dude is filthy. He's been everything we, we thought he would be, if not more. Definitely in the Cy Young conversation, definitely worth the money. Um, he's been huge. You know, unfortunately, he gave up that two-run home run to Travis Shaw. But, I mean, the line speaks for itself. Eight innings, four hits, two runs, two walks, six Ks, gave up that one homer. So, it's just frustrating, man. Uh, the offense was the offense was particularly frustrating this game. Nine hits, bro, but only one run. Yeah, and, you know, that's what stood out to me, too. Uh, the Brewers, they had four hits, scored the two runs, and that was enough for them to, to beat us. And, like you said, 13 left on base this game. That's disappointing. We cannot be having that. I mean, outside of Justin Turner, who's probably been our most consistent hitter this season, no one else hit. We were just shut down. And once, you know, we get to, to the later innings, the Brewers have a strong bullpen and, uh, you know, they shut us down and there's really not much else besides disappointment with this game. Bauer pitched well, and you know, not much else to say. Left on base, man, that's going to be a big talking point, especially uh, with with, uh, with the later games. Yeah, let me jump on. Let me jump on the offense in this game, bro. I felt like this first game of the series was a great depiction of what our offense has been this year. We're hitting the ball well, like we're getting hits, but we're struggling to string hits together. You feel what I'm saying? Like it's like single grounded to double play. It's uh, you know, someone walks. 
single, you know, double play or fly out or, or strike out. And it's just, we're not stringing hits together one and we don't play small ball. So if you're not stringing hits together and you're not playing small ball and and our power numbers have kind of dropped up, uh, dropped off recently, how do you score runs? Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. And uh, we all know that when you're struggling to get runs, you got to go with small ball. You got to you got to force those runs through, right? You got to be more aggressive on the base paths. You got to be more aggressive with, you know, bunting. And it's it's one of the frustrating things for me about the Moneyball era is that we've gone so far away from the fundamentals. We've gone so far away from the tactics, the, uh, you know, suicide squeezes. You used to see that a lot, especially with the Dodgers back back in the day, but you don't see that anymore. And what's mo- most surprising to me is guys don't know how to bunt. That's disappointing because, you know, playing Little League, I remember that was one of the biggest points of emphasis, you know, bunt, bunt, bunt. We take time out of the day to practice our bunting. And nowadays, you just don't see it. Guys don't know how to do it. It's all about the long ball. And I don't like it. I don't like that guys are foregoing the fundamentals to focus on exit velocity. You know, it's true that guys that hit the ball harder do get on base more often. But when you have a shift, when there's no one playing third base... It's so easy to just that's the, the guy worst, over. Bro. It is the worst. That's Literally, the worst. You you just have to make contact with it, you know? Bro, Hit it exactly. Five, six feet out and, and they don't do it. And that's one of the most frustrating things for me for sure. Oh, I agree 100%, man. And I was just diving into Dodger offensive data and stats uh, during this series because I was just so curious, man. Like our offense, we rank top 10 or near top 10 in every major category. Every major category. But we're struggling to win close games and I'm starting to find that it just it really is coming down to hitting with runners in scoring position. That's really like been the defining stat for our team so far this year. So check it. I pulled some data, bro. In games we win, we're hitting 302 with runners in scoring position or somewhere near there. My data could be a little bit off, but near 300 in games we win. In games we lose, we're hitting around 160 with runners in scoring position. A huge discrepancy, right? And um, and that really tells the tale of why we've been struggling more of late, just not just not coming through offensively. And so I, I'd like to see, you know, the Dodgers mix it up a little bit. You know, if you're struggling to manufacture runs, you get a single or someone walks, bun them over. Bun them over, get the guy on second, or, you know, let guys start stealing some bases. Let, let guys be aggressive on the base paths. But um, yeah, bro, game one, offense was definitely very frustrating, bro. Yeah, man, which takes us into game two and uh, even more frustrating, right? Because we managed two hits, (laughs) two freaking hits, man. The entire game, we managed two hits. This is supposed to be the best lineup in baseball and we're getting two hits. We're losing three to one. It was a bullpen game. And what makes that even more frustrating is that we lost the game in the first two innings because of those two hits. And I don't even know what to say about this game. Like there weren't even runners on base to leave stranded, you know? It was just a poor outing. Everyone sucked it up. No one hit the ball. Turner with three strikeouts. Muncie with two strikeouts. Muncie who is walking a ton but not swinging the bat at all. I don't know what the deal is with that. It was, you know, not really much else to talk about outside of Pollock hitting the home run. Hey, that's your Probably. boy, dog. That's your boy, AJ Pollock. That's my boy. And I've been wrong this season about him, man, especially this past series because uh, he's getting hot and it's it's good to see, right? Because he's sort of been a, a guy that's not played well early on in the season and he's starting to hit the ball and he's starting to hit it hard. 
And we need that, especially when we're struggling. But more about this game, right? It was a bullpen game. For the most part, they they got the job done. But again, it doesn't matter if they allowed one, two, three runs because the offense was off. And uh, it's it's. I mean, what do you think about that? But let's let's show some love to the bullpen, bro, for a second, right? Number one, you and I are both not fan of bullpen games. We kind of think they're stupid. They don't make sense. And I just feel like we we've been doing it more of late in the more recent seasons. I, I don't understand them. But whatever, it's a bullpen game. Fuck it. It is a bullpen game. and uh, it, is, it is what it is. But if I told you in a bullpen game where the bullpen's going to pitch the entire game and Gratterall wasn't going to pitch, Knable wasn't going to pitch, Price wasn't going to pitch, Gonsolin wasn't going to pitch, Joe Kelly wasn't going to pitch, and the stat line was eight innings, six hits, three earned runs, you would take that. Oh, 100%. 100%. Right? So shout out to the bullpen for holding it down, dog. Um, you know, they, they did a really good job. Just the offense didn't show up. And that, again, offense is just mad frustrating. I will say one positive about the offense, bro. They got two hits and that's more than one in zero. That's a positive. <laughs> <laughs> this It seems like this series just like got more and more frustrating as the games went on. Because that takes us into game three on Saturday. A six to five loss, the most frustrating game I've seen in a while from the Dodgers. 23 runners left on base. 23 runners. We lost this game in extra innings. And of course, you know what happened in the extra innings with the lazy defense by Mr. $350 million Corey Seeger. Bro, the, the the defense of the Dodgers in the ex, in just extra innings in general, bro, you had that throw by AJ Pollock on that shallow fly to left field uh then Pollock throws the ball way up the first base line like what in the hell that was crazy I mean granted Vesia it was his debut he came in extra innings he has runners on he didn't pitch well at all but I thought that fly ball should have been an out Pollock with the horrible throw then that grounder that gets through on Corey Seager man that that was frustrating yeah man and uh arm issues right left field we've seen poor throws from Rayleigh I think it was a few games ago where he like triple hopped it to home to home plate and now Pollock where he just I don't know what he was aiming at it almost I wish we had Derek Jeter right so he could have done the flip that would have been like the perfect you know use case for it because that was the exact same throw um except you know we don't have a Derek Jeter and we don't have someone to flip it to home base and it was just a, a terrible throw and lacy defense by Corey Seager who as a shortstop you should have that you should at least not I mean I, he kicked it onto like his face and then on through to the outfield it was just it was bad all around it was it was a frustrating game, man. Twenty three left on base. The fact that we only lost the game by one. The fact that we took the lead in extra innings twice. Yeah, that was that was the most frustrating part to me. The most frustrating part, bro, is that Smith gets that two run triple down the line. So you're like you're feeling good, and so Vesia comes to close it out. Vesia wasn't throwing the ball well in his first inning out there, so I thought Robert should have pulled him. He had Mitch White ready to go, and I thought Mitch White looked really good in this series. You know, obviously, you know he he blows this one, but I thought he looked really good in the previous game. Uh, he has this a really good pitch mix, man. He used to be a former top prospect, had some injury concerns, but I like Mitch White out the pen. Uh, I thought Robert should have started the inning with him instead of waiting for, uh, you know, because Vesia loaded the bases. He, he, he walked them loaded. And so then White comes in and he has the bases loaded. He gets a sack fly, one out. He gets the K. And then there's a single to tie it and a single to win it. And, 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 you know, Mookie Betts had a horrible throw as well um, on that. So frustrating game. And I mean, on top of losing Dustin May, bro, we got to talk about that. On top of losing Dustin May. Um, and I saw the play live, bro. And I text you immediately after. I said, Dustin May, he's out with an injury, bro. He's more than likely done. It, it, it didn't look good. And I text like my friends, my other, my, like my family, all of us were on a group text, Dodger fans. I let them know right away. Didn't look good. You know, it's a regular, it was a fastball, bro. It's a fastball. It only hits 94. He immediately winces in pain. He waves to the dugout immediately. 
He's, he leaves the game. The pitchers in the dugout are pointing at their elbow. You know, that's never a good sign. I honestly immediately said more than likely his elbow. He's more than likely done with the year Tommy John. And we found out today that that's the case. And it sucks to have to and then lose on top of that, bro. And then, which means that we lost the series. Yeah, man, that was probably the toughest pill to swallow the entire series and probably the entire season, right? Because, yeah, we've been dealing with injuries, 10-day IL here and there, but nothing like a season-ending injury like the one that made to one of the most hot and exciting prospects. This guy was supposed to take off this year, only had a 2.74 ERA, was just pitching lights out so far. And uh, to lose him, it's it's disappointing. And it brings me to another point, the era of analytics, right? I think uh, the movie Moneyball came out in 2011. And that's when everyone sort of became really obsessed with power, throwing the ball hard, hitting the ball hard, exit velocity, pitching 98, 99, 100. And like I said earlier, it's almost like players have started abandoning the fundamentals and they started adopting power. It's all about who can pitch the hardest, who can hit the hardest. And as a result, we've seen a huge increase in Tommy John surgeries since 2011. We've seen spikes. And the reason why that's frustrating is because I'm all about the fundamentals. I'm a person who wholeheartedly believes in doing the things right, bunting, location. And we've gone away from that. You know, if you think of a guy like Greg Maddox, who wasn't the most powerful pitcher, he was not a power pitcher by any means, but his pitches were not only accurate, they were also, they had a lot of movement. And nowadays it's almost like that's non-existent. And uh, as a result, we see these injuries start to creep up, right? The harder you throw, the more likely it is that you're going to get injured because these guys are just putting so much stress on their elbows, putting so much stress on their shoulders that, you know, things just pop. Ligaments pop, ligaments tear. And I don't like it because a lot of young pitchers are having short, you know, careers, having short seasons as a result. But that's what we're emphasizing. And, you know, I get it, uh, you know, digging deep into the data to get this competitive advantage and to make it easier for, you know, guys to, you know, make it to the big leagues. But it's not the way to go. Careers are shorter. And we're seeing that, you know, guys aren't lasting as long as uh, they used to. Um, And it doesn't even come down to innings pitched or pitches thrown. It just comes down to the power. Because before, guys used to throw 130 pitches on the regular. Before, guys used to go out and throw like 40 games. But nowadays, guys, even with more rest, even with more care, even with more advancements in technology, they're getting injured. So it doesn't make sense because it it almost seems like counterintuitive, right? With more technology, more um, insights, we should be seeing more longevity but we're not. We're seeing more injuries. Here's the thing, bro. So I'm going to kind of push back against your argument because I agree that there has been more of an emphasis recently with pitchers specifically, like that you have to throw harder, right? Everyone can throw 95 nowadays. 95 is not going to get it done. You got to be able to throw like 98 with movement. You got to be able to throw 100 if you want a chance in the big leagues, right? Or you got to be able to like to have super control and be able to paint and move your pitches and hit your spots all the time and have like amazing secondary pitches, so on and so forth. But I, I, I will say this, man. Yes, analytics maybe are encouraging people to throw harder or whatever, but I, I will also say that with the advance of technology and analytics and so on and so forth, that pitchers, I think, study their mechanics way more than they've ever studied them. Study the movement of their body, their biomechanics, um, you know, replicating their um, their delivery over and over again. I don't know why there's an increase in Tommy John, you know, um, and, and why it seems like there's more pitchers nowadays that are blowing out their elbows and their shoulders and whatnot. But I don't know that it's because pitchers are throwing harder, man. I, I don't know if, if that's necessarily the cause 
cause of it. If that's like, if there, if that's the true correlation, I feel like there's other variables you have to take into account because I know, you know, just from watching, you know, baseball a little bit and knowing a little bit here and there, you know, I do know that pitchers are also studying their mechanics and they're going to places like driveline in the off season, you know, where like Alex Wood went and Kenley Jansen went. And I believe Kershaw worked with them also. And you have people like Trevor Bauer who are constantly studying their mechanics uh, and the movement of their body and their delivery to kind of perfect it and improve it to get that leverage to be able to throw harder. So it's not just I want to throw harder with with horrible mechanics. It's like I want to perfect my mechanics, improve them, smooth them out so I can throw harder. Look at the names that you just listed. Kershaw, Jansen. These are guys that haven't gone down with significant arm injuries. These are guys that aren't relying solely on their power. These are guys that are proving that it's more than just about throwing the ball hard. It's about mechanics. So what about uh, Aroldis Chapman, man? Um, Pitching Ninja just posted something about Aroldis Chapman and how he hits like 102 on the regular and has been doing it like his entire career and they're highlighting his mechanics in the post. So uh, all I'm saying is that I don't know what is causing the increase in Tommy John, but I do know that what I am seeing is more recently that pitchers are studying their mechanics, I feel, more than ever because you have all that data, you have all that technology where you can see your delivery repeated, 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 and they can give you images of how your body is moving and you know what is off and is everything firing off when it's supposed to fire off, so on and so forth. And you hear pitchers talk about things like that, like my delivery is not in sync. This is firing off before that, so on and so forth. And so, I mean, I don't know, bro. I don't know what the answer is. I just I, I just feel that I don't know if it's just that pitchers are throwing harder now. Okay, so you, you have a guy like Kershaw who's sort of uh, obsessive about his, his pitching, right? He's a guy that really focuses on improving every aspect of his game. So he takes it seriously. He wants to improve his mechanics because he, again, can't rely solely on, on power, on pitching fast. But then you've got young guys, right, that are coming up through the ranks, single, double, triple A, and even you know, through, through to the majors. And these guys are probably less likely to focus on, on their mechanics and on pitching the ball correctly and on, you know, maybe using their hips the right way or pushing off of the mound uh, to increase their velocity. And these guys are the guys that are, you know, getting injured. These guys are the guys that are not doing well because there is such emphasis on velocity. It's it's sort of like they're pressured, right? If I don't throw 98, if I don't throw 99, then I'm not going to make it to the big league. So they prioritize speed more than anything. They prioritize it over the mechanics because that's how they're going to make it into the big leagues. And once they do make it into the big leagues, it's sort of too late to make that adjustment because, you know, their their arms, their elbows have taken so much, you know, such such a huge beating that it just snaps. So the technology, it can be beneficial to guys that use it the correct way. But again, it analytics also pressure guys into throwing fast because that's what's going to stand out the most, right? That's what's going to stand out the most to scouts, to to um, managers in the big leagues. It's how hard they can throw. They don't care about the, the delivery or the mechanics at that point, you know, so early on in their careers. So you have guys that are just trying to throw their guts out, not paying attention to their delivery, to making sure that they're doing it the right way. As a result, you've got blown out elbows. So yeah, technology is good if you use it right, but the emphasis on on speed is also bad because it puts pressure on guys to throw hard, which again leads to to more injuries. So let's move on to to, to game four, man. This was sort of like uh, the outlier of the season, right? It just everything came together: the pitching, the hitting, sixteen to four, man. What are your thoughts on on that game, on that hitting uh, hitting derby? Yeah, um, two grand slams in a game, bro. Like that doesn't happen very often, and they come from players in the bottom bottom part of the order who where we've been struggling to produce and it comes from AJ Pollock the homie your boy AJ Pollock 
um, who is finally starting to heat up, as you mentioned. So that's a good look. But then it comes from the homie Matt Beatty, dog. Give my boy reps. You know, like, I don't understand why he's not in the lineup every day. Um, and not if, if not in the lineup every day, I don't understand why he's not the first guy off the off the bench, out of the dugout, you know, when someone needs a day, day's rest, bro. Because um, we, we've seen Edwin Rios is completely lost at the plate. So the homie Matt Beatty, bro. And it's not just a grand slam, bro. It's grand slam, then it's single, and it's single, and it's single. And so it's just, he puts together good at-bats, bro. And then Pollock goes off, bro. He hits the grand slam. He hits another home run. He hits a double. And his double was off the wall, bro. So it, it was crazy. Um, the offense definitely blew up. And I don't want to overshadow a huge performance, bro, from, um, huge performance from uh, Chris Taylor, three for three with five runs, right? The importance of getting on ahead of those guys that are hot, making sure you're getting on base. So shout out to Chris Taylor for having good at bats and, and getting on base, whether you know in any way possible, whether it's walks or singles and whatnot. But tell me what you saw from our boy Julio Urias, bro. He was efficient. He was dealing. Didn't allow many hits. No walks. Ten strikeouts. Efficient. That's I mean that's the word that comes to mind, right? Slurve was nasty. Slurve Fastball was explosive. nasty. And he gave us what we needed, you know, coming off of uh, two, essentially two bullpen games in a row. We needed a strong outing and we got a strong outing and not only strong, but efficient, only 90 pitches. So hats off to Udias. He's 4-0. He's, again, like I said early in the season, this is a guy that we should be looking at for, you know, not maybe not this year because DeGrom's pitching lights out, but yeah. in the years to come as a potential Cy Young Award winner. So watching his start was a little bit bittersweet, bro. And it was a little bittersweet because like sweet in the sense that, damn, he looks good. That slurve, bro. His development of that slurve, he threw one to, man, I can't remember who it was. And that that pitch started literally like, it looked like it was going to hit the dude. The dude was a left-hander. So on the left hand, it starts in the left-hander's batter's box and just cuts completely over, over the plate. Just a beautiful pitch, man. And he finally has complete control over it, of this, of this slurve. And it's bittersweet, bro, because he is showing the development that Dustin May was also showing. And it's like we had these two young horses, bro, four and five in the back end of our rotation who were just exactly what you want to see of your young pitchers, man, adding that next pitch that takes them to the next level. And so, you know, I'm excited to see what Julio Urias is going to do the rest of the season, man. He he pitched amazing. But, you know, the day after losing uh, Dustin May, um, you know, to that to that arm injury, now Tommy John is just, it was bittersweet, bro. It's just like, man, it's looking at Urias just pitched so well. And, and you just knew that's what Dustin May was going to be doing all season also, man. They're, they both just have developed so well as young pitchers this season. So I was excited to see what Dustin May was going to do, but excited to see what Julio was going to do the rest of the season, bro. Um, But yeah, man. So yeah, man. go ahead, brother. No, you know, I just, uh, I want to go back to, to Beatty because again, he was six for 12 this series. He had that grand slam, seven RBIs, three runs. He was not in the starting lineup today against the Cubs. Yeah, Granted, game, it was canceled. It was rained out. Yeah, but that's one of the most frustrating things for me about Dave Roberts. And I touched on it a couple episodes ago with Puig, the time we hit six home runs in like two, three games, and then got benched. It's frustrating because this guy's got a hot bat. He should have been in the lineup today. He should be in the lineup almost every day, to be honest. I don't get it. I don't know what Dave Roberts is trying to do, what game he's trying to play. We're struggling. You got to ride the hot bats. And my respects for Beatty, he's shown that he can do it. He needs and he deserves more playing time. 100% right, bro. Um, you, you hit that right on the head, man. And and then part of it is I think they're trying to give Gavin Lux, they're still trying to give him some runway to see if he can get going after coming back from the IL. Um, he's been struggling. I mean, this last game he did okay. 
um, this last game against the Brewers. So I think they just want to give them more reps to see what they got. But I mean, I feel like when their offense is struggling, bro, you don't have time to give people runway. You know what I mean? You don't have time. If Lux is not your best second baseman right now, who's your best second baseman right now? It's probably Matt. Uh, it's probably uh, uh, Max Muncy. So you put Max Muncy at second base and who's your best first baseman? Right now it's Matt Beatty. So you put Matt Beatty at first base. Pollock is in left field every day and you put Chris Taylor in center with Mookie in right. Seager at short, Turner at third, Will Smith behind the plate and you run that lineup every day because that's your best lineup and gives you the best chance to win right now. When you have injuries... To your, to your top bench players, like, um, you know, McKinstry was our top, top bench player and he's hurt. You have injuries to one of your top uh, bats in the lineup, Cody Bellinger. You don't have time to play with your lineups anymore. We thought we had the depth. We clearly are seeing we don't have the depth that we thought we had. So you got to stop playing games, run the lineup out there, and just let it run, man. And just, you know, that's going to give you the best chance to win every game. Yeah, man, you, you hit the, the nail on the head. And, uh, you know, overall, disappointing series. Uh, 36 left on base. 36 left on base, man. Both hey, one-run games. Bro, do you remember what I said when we recorded the last episode, what my prediction was for this series? Do you remember, Doug? Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I said we were going to lose 3-1, to one, and I said the Giants were going to take over first place, bro, and the Giants are currently in first place right now. And you're like, no, they're not. Giants suck. Hey, just saying, man. You were right and you were wrong because the Giants still do suck, even though they're in first place. <laughs> they, they, they're they, hot. They will, bro, the, the Giants will always suck, man. I'm just saying. They, they, my prediction looks, my prediction was right. Their looks going to run out, so I'm not too worried about them. And uh, man, it's crazy. You just you know didn't expect the season to go this way. The Dodgers sucking it up. The Padres you know behind us and the Giants ahead of us, which it hurts. It hurts. Uh, and you know what can we do? We've got to just keep battling through. At least the injuries are happening early on in the season and not later on closer to the playoffs. Um Nevertheless, we need to avoid a 2018. We can't have that happen again. We're too good. We should be winning more games. And I do place some of that blame on Doc. He needs to be a better coach, better manager. Anyway, so, you know, we've got a, we've got an upcoming series against the Cubs. Like you said earlier, the game got postponed. Rain, Beatty wasn't in the lineup, but. What are your expectations for that series? The Cubs not doing too well themselves, 12 and 16 record, just lost to the Reds. What are what are your thoughts on that? I think we kind of lucked out with this game getting rained out because we have a doubleheader tomorrow. That means two seven-inning games. And how clutch would it be if Kershaw and Bauer can pitch complete games for both of them, right? That'd and I nice. think I think that's very feasible. Um, I think the offense is running hot a little bit after what just that that explosion against the Brewers in the fourth game. So I'm gonna go with sweep. I think we sweep the Cubs. You think we sweep the Cubs at home? I think we sweep the Cubs at home. I'm calling it right now. We're going to win all three. The offense is going to get going. The homie AJ Pollock is going to come for you, dog. He's going to have a good series. The homie Matt Beatty is going to come through. And I just, I think our pitching is perfectly lined up. We're going uh, Kershaw, Bauer, Bueller. Um, and I think the bullpen will be nice and rested because Kershaw is going to pitch at least six innings. Bauer is going to pitch at least six innings. That means the bullpen won't have to pitch too many games in the doubleheader. And they'll be ready to go for Bueller, who's going to throw hard for six innings. Have a great start. Bullpen will pick him up. Offense will be ready to go. We sweep the Cubs, Doug. Man, yeah, and it'll be exciting to see the future uh, Dodgers third baseman as well and play. Uh... Ha! But yeah, no, you know, you know what? I, I'm going to say we take two out of three just because... The offense has been off. We've been leaving so many uh, men on base. Um, hopefully not Kershaw, maybe Bueller, just because he's he's a he's the one more more likely to have a bad game, even though he's coming off of a you know pretty rough start, allowing five runs. Um, so hopefully 
he redeems himself, but if I were to put it on anyone, it would be him to lose the game. Hopefully, though, we do turn the bats around. We start hitting. We can't. We just can't afford to keep losing. We can't afford to keep blowing games in extra innings. We need to be better. We need to be more aggressive. We need to, you know, play small ball if we have to. We need to be better on defense. We need to give Matt Beatty more of a chance to go out there and hit the ball. We need to give our bullpen rest now that you know we've we've pitched them so much in the last series, and hopefully uh, we get some guys back uh, from the IL. I know Gonsolin, who was I thought he was close to coming back, but now since he's being built up to be a starter, it's going to take a little while longer. We have Joe Kelly, who finally revealed uh, news on his injury, sh- shoulder injury. So who knows how long he'll be out? But we were we're we're in need of need of help and hopefully our starters keep pitching well and uh we keep pushing but now let's let's shift gears man let's shift gears over to the lakers what's going on city of champion podcast listeners it is now time to talk about your los angeles lakers who have quite frankly been playing trash recently um really struggling we did get the return of the king lebron james uh but you know even with him returning we lost our recent two games uh one l against the kings where we lost 110 to 106 and we also dropped a uh you know a game that was a lot closer uh, you know looks a lot closer in the box score than it actually was a tough game tough loss last night to the raptors loss uh 121 to 114 um edgar just hit me with your let's just start off with your initial thoughts about the king's game and what you saw from lebron james what i saw from lebron he was limited he was limited you could tell he's coming back from an injury i don't think he's uh dunked yet right the entire uh these past two games at least i don't think he's been back yeah um He's coming back from a long injury. I think it was 20 games he missed because of an ankle injury. I knew he was going to have ankle soreness, which was confirmed today with him being out against the uh, the Nuggets. The, the the offense sort of looks out of sync. It, it looks awkward. It's 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 not a team that looks like they're ready to go into the playoffs, right? It's it's shown, right? Losing to the Kings. What were your thoughts on game one? Man, the Kings loss was very frustrating, bro, because we lost to the Kings without probably two of their three better players, two of their four better players. And, you know, De'Aaron Fox was out, Harrison Barnes was out. And initially we came out with a lot of energy, looked excited, but, you know... Like you said, didn't really lead to execution. Uh, we picked it up in the second and the third. Uh, I want to shout out my boy, Marcus Gasol. Uh, Trez went out with a little injury. Marcus Gasol comes in, bro. Marcus Gasol, just anytime he's in, he's in the game, I just feel like the Lakers play better. You talked about the offense being out of sync. Part of that is dude standing around and watching the ball. But Marcus Gasol doesn't allow you to do that, bro, because he, he gets the ball and it's out of his hand within one or two seconds. He's passing the ball. He's moving the ball. You play soccer, Edgar. You know what it is. Move the ball. Pass, cut, pass, move. Go on a run. Move the ball. And basketball. Basketball is the same way, man. It's just don't stand around, move the ball. D'Antonio used to say as you move the ball, it gains energy. And Marcus All didn't play too many minutes this game. I think he only ended up playing eight minutes. Um, but in his first run out there, man, the Lakers really started to push the pace. The offense looked better. We went on a little bit of a run and um we end up, you know, closing out the half with a one-point lead. Third quarter, we're looking good. We push it up to 10. Then the fourth quarter comes. And the offense just collapses. We only scored 18 points in the fourth quarter. And one of the things I noticed is that Vogel went with the big lineup. And by big lineup, I mean Drummond AD. So he had his traditional two bigs in there. And the Kings countered with a small lineup of like four guards, four wings, and one big man. And that gave the Lakers fits. Uh, the Kings were just way faster to the ball, um, able to cover a lot of ground defensively. They went into a zone, 
uh, that really threw the Lakers off. Um, then we went on our, you know, stereotypical scoring drought for about four minutes, uh, turnovers. Uh, the pick and roll coverage was really bad all game. Um, and I've noticed that our defense is often just caught out of position, man. Poor pick and roll coverage, uh, poor help side, late help side, dudes are scrambling. And, you know, that that's really what led to the loss, man, is that just poor fourth quarter. And as you mentioned, the offense looked out of sync. Um, we didn't shoot the ball well either, man. Only shot 25% from three, ended up with 21 turnovers. Um, I thought Braun, like you said, looked a little bit rusty in some areas and looked good in others, but just overall not not still there yet. Um, our two guards, Schroeder and KCP, really struggled. This game only shot six for 21. They were a combined minus 30 combined minus 30 from two of our starting guards that's a little scary uh, but the homie Gasol bro eight minutes plus 12 in eight minutes plus 12 man definitely was a he changed the momentum of the game right there in the second quarter but kind of like you said here are some of my closing thoughts on this you mentioned like the offense is out of sync and this is going to be one of the reasons why I'm concerned about the Lakers and we'll talk about this a little bit later but I am concerned about the Lakers and it's for this reason everyone's role changes again everyone's role is changing again so think about AD goes down everyone's role changes right Braun goes down everyone's role changes. Drummond joins the team, everyone's role changes. AD comes back, everyone's roles changes. LeBron comes back, everyone's roles change again. And it's just, we're, we haven't had, we haven't played a game with our full lineup, bro. We haven't played one game. And I mean one full game where all of our top players are playing. So the game uh, against the Kings, Caruso didn't play. And in the game against the Raptors, Schroeder was out because of COVID protocol. So we have yet to have a game where all of our best players are playing together and just getting reps, man. Reps and minutes together to build that on-court chemistry. And we're running out of time, man. Because Braun has to learn how to play with Drummond. Drummond still has to learn how to play with AD. Schroeder has to figure out how to play with AD and LeBron back and Drummond in the mix like what does his role look like now Vogel still needs to find the best lineups and the time is running out man the, the time is running out so we lost against the Kings and, and you and I both predicted that we would split these right we both said we'd go one and one um or maybe I said two and oh I think I said one and one um and then we play the Raptors man and Schroeder's out for safety protocol, uh, COVID protocol, he'll more than likely miss the rest of the regular season because it's 10 to 14 days and the season ends on the 16th. Um, and the Raptors, again, man, were playing a team that's missing key players. Van Fleet didn't play. OG Anubi didn't play. Um, uh, Chris Boucher didn't play. So a lot of players missing for the Raptors. And we, I mean, it says we only lost by seven, bro, but we got, we got destroyed, bro. What, tell me about, um, tell me your thoughts about this Raptors game, bro. They wanted it more, man. I feel like the Raptors are fighters, man, especially Siakam. They want to win. And you saw that when they went on their uh, their title run. You see that in the rebounds, right? We've got the bigger guys and they just outworked us. They out-rebounded us. Um, and, you know, some of it does come down to health, but others, it comes down to effort. And it's, it might not be that we're not making enough of an effort. We're just not able to make that effort because we're coming off of injuries. We're learning to play together, that kind of thing. So guys might get in the way and whatnot, or they might not know how to give each other space, uh, might hesitate to see who goes up for the rebound, that kind of thing. So like you said, it's a team that hasn't played together. It's a team that, you know, we haven't put one game together with all the stars. And it's that that kind of thing takes time. You know, guys have to learn how to play alongside each other. Um, they've got to build that chemistry. And uh, it, it's worrying because, again, we're, we're right around the corner with the, uh, with the playoffs. And uh, um, it, it's cause for concern. At the same time, you're talking about a Tor Toronto Raptors team that's well coached, that's been playing for, you know, a long time together as a cohesive group. So... 
it's just one of those games, Pat. It happens. It's it's justified, um, even though it's not something that we should be, you know, proud of. We need to play better. The second quarter, we got, you know, destroyed the second quarter. Uh, we cannot be getting outscored by 19 points. Uh, we cannot be, you know, trying to come back late in the, the second half because it's not going to happen, especially against a team like the, the uh, like the Raptors. They're not scrubs. You know, they're uh, even... Though their record is twenty-seven and thirty-eight, they can still put up strong performances on a on a, on a given night, especially with Ananobi and uh, Siakam um, inside. You know, two long, athletic guys that you know hustle and are scrappy. Uh, so, what are your you know looking at the season as a whole, looking at the remaining games as a whole? Vogel just came out and said that the Lakers are shook. What are your thoughts on everything that's happening? On LeBron sitting out tonight on the Lakers not really playing well together. What do you think needs to happen? So um, you started off when, when you started talking about this Raptors game. You said that the Raptors wanted it more. And I think that's what the Lakers need, man. They need to want it more. Um, so, you know, it's it's kind of like, I, I feel like Laker fans are finding confidence in this whole idea of, a well, last year in the bubble, we struggled and then we rattled off all these wins in the playoffs and won the championship. But people often forget that we went into the bubble with the best record in basketball. I believe like the second best record in basketball, that we had great on-court chemistry and that we had some good veteran leaders on the team. Veteran, battle-tested, proven players. Playoff-tested, right? Rondo. Danny Green, McGee, Dwight Howard. Uh, Avery Bradley was in the bubble, but you had Avery Bradley at one point. So you had just all these good veterans, man. Uh, good veteran leadership uh, that helped to build that chemistry and helped to keep the team together. We don't really have that right now, man. Right? We're kind of lacking that. That's one of So one of my concerns is like, I don't know that we have the roster to be playing around like we're playing around. Um, you know, I, I don't think that we have... Now, I'm not even going to say I don't think that we, I know we don't have the chemistry we had last year. It shows on offense. It shows very clearly on defense, especially. Um, players are not locked in. They're losing focus. And where's the accountability, man? Last year, one of the cool things that you heard early on in the season last season was that um, AD was calling out LeBron if he wasn't locking in on defense. And then that LeBron would call out AD if he wasn't giving his best effort or if he wasn't playing through injuries. Where is that this year, man? Who's getting in whose ass about, hey, lock in. That's your rotation. You messed up. Like, who? Because we need that now, man. It's time to go. And I've been saying it's been time to go for a while now, but now it's really time to go. You got eight games left in the season. And I know there's this whole concern about going to the playoff healthy, going into the playoffs healthy. And I get all that. But at a certain point, man, you have to also go into the playoffs with some type of team chemistry and, and playing good basketball, man. Um, And I'll say this, man. One of the biggest things I think the issue is, is I don't know what the hell's wrong with Anthony Davis, but he doesn't look right. He hasn't looked himself all season. And early on, I thought it was just like the shortened off season and whatnot. And, whatnot. and now I know he's coming off of injury. But he, to me, he was the main reason we won the championship so easily last year. It was how well Anthony Davis played, man. We came out of the bubble, everyone saying Anthony Davis is for sure a top five, if not top three player in the league. That's how everyone felt, right? Right after the bubble. But AD has not looked anything like that. So he needs to regain his form. He needs to regain his shape. He needs to start hooping again. So for me, man, the the only answer to all of this is we need to start holding players accountable to playing championship basketball, to putting forth effort, to locking in, to being focused. I want to see AD and get in somebody's ass. I want to see LeBron get in somebody's ass about playing the game the right way, playing hard, uh, competing, uh, because... 
we didn't compete against the you know we didn't compete against the Raptors man when um when uh when Siakam and and Lowry give you damn near eighty points and they look like the best one two the better one two combo that's a damn shame man so I don't know man it's a uh, and and also I I will say this is I am a little bit concerned with Frank Vogel's rotations at the moment um I'm I'm not happy with the way Montrez Harrell has been looking. I've never been a Drummond fan. You know this about me, bro. Like when he plays well, I'll give him his shout outs, but I've never been a fan of Andre Drummond. I feel like he gets too many minutes. There's no reason why he needs to be playing close to 30 minutes. I think more minutes need to go with Marcus Gasol. Um, I think we need more minutes with AD at the five. And so we'll see, man. But they got, they got to start just locking in and start playing to their potential so that they can do it more easily, right? If you're constantly not playing at your potential, it makes it harder to reach that that peak of play if you're not often doing it, man. It's And I think they're thinking they can just turn it on in the playoffs, but I don't feel confident about that right now. Let me ask you this question, bro. I was thinking about this earlier today. Let me ask you this question. With the way the Lakers are currently playing, do you feel like they're a championship team? Do you feel that they would make a run to the championship? You know, it's hard to say, and I uh, put this out on Twitter earlier, how... Going into last year's bubble, right? The Lakers looked really bad in the remainder of the regular season bubble games. They went into the playoffs with everyone doubting them. You know, they're going to lose to the Blazers. The Blazers are the Blazers are too big inside. They're going to get out-rebounded. They're going to lose. I think Charles Barkley even made the ridiculous the prediction that they he would did. He did. get swept or something by the, uh, by the Blazers. And they go into game one. And they get beat. But after that, it's almost like a, a light turned on and, and uh, you know, someone sparked a, up from under their ass because they got to playing and they, they put on a, a good run and they just steamrolled through teams. Um, so it's hard for me to say whether or not they're going to be good or bad. I know LeBron. I know AD. I think for them, it's about let's just get in, let's get healthy, and then we'll, you know, push, put pedal to the metal and go off. So... They're not looking like a championship team right now, but that's not to say that they're not going to look like a championship team. I still believe in them. I still believe in LeBron. I still believe in 80s talent. I think they're guys that can turn it on because they're that good. In the back of my mind, I feel like they're doing it on purpose. I feel like it's almost like a Trojan horse. Let's look bad to throw teams off so that when we play them in the playoffs, they underestimate the underestimate us and we could take it to them. And so- I would not be surprised. So here's my follow-up question to this, man, because I knew you were going to say some shit like this. So here's my follow-up question to this. And to every Laker fan who feels the way you feel. Last season, I would agree with you and say that, yeah, they'll turn it up in the playoffs because we saw them play amazing regular season basketball all season long. So I was confident in that. And even last year, honestly, I wasn't confident. I thought they looked shitty in the bubble and I thought they were going to struggle. I predicted them to lose to the Blazers who were playing like out of their mind. Um, But you know me, I'm I'm a pessimist when it comes to the the Lakers. But I'm going to ask you this follow-up question, bro. You tell me what you have seen in the Lakers this year. What have you seen in the Lakers this year that gives you confidence that they can turn it on in the playoffs and win a championship? What have you seen? It's not so much what I've seen. It's more of like, we've got guys like 
you know, LeBron AD, right? We we know what they can do. Superstars, they can drop. But AD 30, has no, but but, a, but AD hasn't played at superstar level. So this is why I don't understand why Laker fans have so much confidence. You can't tell me that AD has played at superstar level, man. AD's probably had five, maybe five really good games this season. Maybe five. There are guys that could, uh, they can turn it on, right? They're superstars. They, they've got that natural skill, athleticism. They can get it done, right? I'm not worried about those guys. Usually the, the, the worry, the uh, panic starts with uh, the role players, right? We've got guys like Caruso. We've got guys like Carroll who they, they battle, they play hard. You've got guys like Gasol who's sort of got a chip on his shoulder because of the way he's been done ever since the Drummond acquisition. You have a guy like KCP who played really bad up until the playoffs last year when he just, he turned it on. He, he, he was clutch in some of our games, especially uh, in the finals against the Heat where he had some standout performances. So I think they can turn it on. I think we've got Horton Tucker, who's played a lot better this season. Didn't even get to see him last season, except for or last playoffs, except for, you know, that one appearance he made. You have a guy like Kuzma, who, who we know he can play. We know he can turn it on. If there's one guy that really concerns me is it's Schroeder, right? Because this is a guy that's always seemed like he doesn't know if he wants to be a star or he wants to be a role player. He kind of has a hard time fitting into his role when there's other bigger superstars around him. Like he doesn't feel comfortable. He feels like he's less of a player when he's got LeBron and AD on the court. And you kind of saw it against um, against the Kings. He had such a terrible performance compared to, you know, the games he had been uh, or the performances that you've been putting up uh, in prior games. Uh, we have a guy like Ben McLemore who's been, really, you know, playing really well, especially from three. So I think we have the right pieces I just don't think that we've really been wanting it. You know, we've sort of got that hangover. Hangover. We've got that like confidence that we can just turn it on. It worries me and it doesn't worry me. It doesn't worry me in the sense that I know these guys have the potential to play well. It worries me in the sense that it doesn't seem like they want it all that much. So it, it really comes down to how are they going to play in the playoffs? And like we saw last year, they turned it on. They had the, the the capability, the capacity to turn it on. So are they going to do it this year? That's a big question mark. It's more of question marks more than anything. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know, man. We'll see. I, I will say this. Uh, eight games left in the season. I do not feel too confident in the Lakers right now. I personally, if they keep playing the way they're playing, I don't see them getting out of the second round, to be honest with you. Um because you're facing in the second round, not your. I mean, the way they're going, man, they might face the Suns or the Jazz or the Clippers or the Nuggets in the first round, and all teams are playing. All four of those teams are playing pretty well, um, and I'm just, I don't know, man. I'm concerned about playing a team like the Jazz, who play great team basketball when you don't have good team defensive chemistry and you're not really connected defensively, but. That can change, man. In the eight games, next eight games, they can show me like, yo, we're on now. We're ready. We're focused. We're ready to go hard. We're ready to compete. Because um, they've shown that, man. They've had quarters where they lock in. And you're like, yep, there it is. Let's go. Um, but it's not consistent. So that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for that consistency. And that's what I'll be looking for these next couple games. Um, real quick, hit me with your thoughts on this, bro. LeBron James says that whoever's idea it was to have this playing tournament, it was stupid and they should be fired. Your thoughts on that? 100% agree with LeBron, man. I 100% agree. I think uh, these sort of tactics, these sort of things are just to make money. The fans don't want them. The fans haven't showed that they want it. The players don't want it. Players are coming off of a shortened off season, playing a ridiculous schedule. On top of that, you're making them have to go through a play-in to get into the playoffs. I think it's stupid. I think the NBA is putting their pockets ahead of the players' health. They're putting 
their pockets ahead of what the fans want to see with a stupid all-star game, with stupid play-in. I know they're trying to make it more entertaining, just like baseball's home run derby, which, you know, admittedly is more exciting to watch. But in the NBA, it just doesn't work. So It doesn't work, and I don't agree with it. Here, so here are my thoughts on the play, man. My thoughts are LeBron James thinks it's stupid because he probably thinks now that he might have to play in the play-in tournament. So he's like, this shit is stupid. I'm not trying to play an extra game to get into the playoffs. I already played 72 games. So I got to play an extra one. So I, I get him, you know, and I get anyone who feels that way. Um, but I'll say for, you know, seeds nine and 10, they probably really enjoy it because they think they have a chance to, you know, get on in there and the owners of these nine and 10 teams. So, uh, that would be like, uh, the wizards and, uh, not, well, the wizards in the East, I think it's the wizards and the Pacers. And then in the West, it's, uh, I believe it's the warriors and the Spurs who are nine and 10. So I guarantee you that those teams, those players, those owners, those fan bases, are hella down for the playing tournament because they want a chance to squeeze by and get into the tournament, man. Like, how exciting would it be? Uh, how exciting would it be, bro, if Steph Curry just goes off, goes off against the Spurs, bounces them, goes off against whoever wins that seven, whoever loses that seven eighth game, and claws the Warriors into the eighth seed, bro? You telling me you don't want to see Curry in the playoffs shoot twenty threes? I look at it this way, right? Blazers right now in the play in, uh, play in spot. And then you've got the Spurs, right? Who are four and a half games back. So is it fair to the Blazers that they've played better, more consistent in the regular season? And now they face the possibility of getting knocked out by a team that's under 500. So now let's say, you know, this is, it's pretty close, right? Four and a half games or four games isn't that big of a difference. But let's say next year, if they decide to keep this format, you've got the 10th seed who's 15 games under 500. And then you've got a seventh seed who's maybe, you know, five, 10 games over 500. And then they get bounced. Is it fair for them that a team with such a bad record had a chance to, you know, knock them out? I, man, I hear you, bro. I hear you in that argument that it, it sucks for teams that have competed for the full season, 72 games this season. They've competed for the full season. They've qualified, essentially. They're a good margin ahead of the next team, you know. The next teams in like that nine or ten seed, they have a good margin ahead of them. So I get that argument, bro. And I understand why they did it in the bubble, right? Because you didn't have a full season. So I understand why they did it in the bubble. And I understand why right now it doesn't make sense. Um, like why because it kind of devalues the regular season in a way, right? Um, and so I, I get that argument. I just think it's funny that LeBron James thinks it's stupid now because the Lakers might, you know, have a very real chance of following to falling to the seven seed and having to play their way in. Um, but I mean, I, I frankly don't care about the play-in, bro. I, I'll be honest with you, though, man. Wouldn't you Wouldn't you like to see Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal maybe make a run? That'd be kind of exciting uh, to get them in the playoffs, um, see LaMelo Ball play a, a play-in game. Um, wouldn't you like to see Curry claw his way into the playoffs? I mean, would you rather see the Grizzlies or Curry in the playoffs? I'd love to see the Wizards knock off the Celtics if uh, we're talking... Uh... Oh, seriousness, that'd be amazing. So, I mean, I, I don't know, bro. I mean, I don't really care about the playing. If the Lakers have to play the playing game, whatever. I just look at it as a playoff tune-up. Let's go get that win and move on. Um, And so uh, let's look at the upcoming schedule, bro. Upcoming games, what we got, current playoff seeding and everything like that. So um, as of today, we're currently, uh, we're in the sixth seed, even though we're tied with record-wide with record-wise with Dallas, we are in the um, in the sixth seed um, because they own the tiebreaker. We're half a game ahead of Portland, who's in the seventh seed. They lost earlier today. Um, they lost to the Hawks, and so we're currently playing the Nuggets, so hopefully we can get that win. Um, 
And uh, Dallas has uh, the Heat tomorrow and the Nets on Thursday. Those are tough games. tough games for Dallas. Uh, Portland had the Hawks earlier today. They took that L. They have the Cavs Wednesday. I believe I, I predict they'll win that game against the Cavs. We have the Nuggets currently today, and then we have the Clippers Thursday, man. We have a tough, tough stretch of games, man. Um, what are your, you just tell me, how do you see this all shaking out, man, these playoff seedings? Where do you think when it's all said and done, where do you think we're going to end? That's interesting, right? Because, you know, Dallas going up against the Heat and the Heat have a lot to play for because if they do fall that one spot into the eighth seed, they've got to play the uh, Wizards and the Wizards are hot right now. Russell Westbrook is hot right now. And they've got the Nets. So it'll be interesting for them. For us, I, we're going to make the playoffs, right? It's just, it's really a matter of, are we going to have to play in that playing game? I still have full confidence in the Lakers. I believe that they will pull it off. I believe that they're going to do what's necessary. And uh, it really just comes down to who do we want to play in the first round? Do we want to play the Jazz? Do we want to play the Suns? Do we want to play the Nuggets? Um, that's that's really the big question, right? Uh, for me, it's like, it, it, and it, it's hard to say, right? Because right now the Clippers being fourth, do we want to jump up into that fifth spot and have to play them in the first round? Do we want to stay where we are and then play the Nuggets? Or do we want to drop back a little bit and play the Jazz who are without their uh, best player? So there really isn't much incentive right now to win. There is not really much incentive to lose because then that's the extra game. So it's hard to say, man. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be exciting these last couple of games because so much can happen and moving up can be bad. Moving down can be beneficial. So I don't know, man. It's 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 hard. It's going to be, It's we just have to watch. We have to watch so, and see what happens. So you're talking like you think the Lakers are trying to be strategic as far as who they who they play in the first round. Absolutely, absolutely. Right now, I mean, again. So who do you think they're tr- who do you think they're trying to avoid? The Clippers. Okay, I would agree. I think they don't want to play in the Clippers in the first round. I've been saying they don't want to play the Clippers in the first round. But I'm gonna push back and I'm gonna say this, man. I'm gonna I, I don't know necessarily where they're gonna fall. Like as far as the seating, I don't know where they're gonna end up. But I will say this, man. I don't know that it matters. I don't think they can care about who they're gonna play, bro. Because they gotta just get winning. They gotta just play. Start playing some winning basketball. They haven't been playing winning basketball. They haven't been playing championship basketball. And at a certain point, you gotta stop worrying about who you're gonna play in the first round and just play some damn good basketball. Yeah, Cause, true. Because because if you're losing on purpose, bro, that's that's bad habits. You know, you're you're not locking in those good habits. And so I don't know. I mean. I don't think they'll end with the five seed, bro. I think they will fall. They'll end up with a six or seven seed. Um, Portland has Portland and Dallas definitely have their easier schedule down the stretch, and we have the tougher one. So I'm gonna go with the Lakers end up in the seven seed, man. And and and, and also let's not forget, man. Schroeder's out for basically the rest of the regular season, so I think that plays a role in it. And I will say this real quick, my final thought on on this: Dennis Schroeder's out for the rest of the regular season. When he returns, he needs to come off the bench. And the reason I feel like he needs to come off the bench is because the Lakers are going to be building chemistry and continuity with the this starting five for the next eight games of, of with Caruso and KCP and Braun, AD and Drummond. And so Schroeder needs to go to the bench and just let Caruso run with the starters and let um, Schroeder take the, the bench unit. 100% agree. All right. Well, that, that'll wrap it up for us, man. We covered a lot this episode and we'll kind of just see how things shake out moving forward. Uh, thank you for hanging out with us. Thank you for rocking with us and, and tuning in. Uh, make sure you give us that follow on Twitter at underscore city of champs. Make sure you subscribe to the pod on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Uh, we just did, uh, you know, our, our ep- this is episode 11, but episode 10, we had a um, very cool opportunity to interview my brother, uh, David Delgado from the OC Register. So make sure you check that out and show him some love. Give him a follow on Twitter as well. Be on the lookout for the merch. Merch, man, my shirt just came in. My first city, uh, city of champions, uh, 
uh, shirt. Great shirt. Great fit. Great feel. Definitely has like that vintage look, look on it. Great print with the LA and the Dodger Stadium in the background. The homie Edgar here killing it with the designs and the merch, man. So so check us out. Uh, City of Chips, right, bro? That's the website? Cityofchips.com. Check us out, man. Cityofchips.com. That's where you can find your merch. That's where you can find links to the podcast as well. And, you know, give us a review on, on Apple Pod. You know, give us that five-star review and, you know, recommend us to your to your family, to your friends, to your, your sports fans, uh, your, your Laker fans, your Dodger fans out there. All right. Thanks for hanging with us, y'all. Peace. Peace.